Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. The advice and opinions expressed by the hosts of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Welcome back uh, to the podcastathon. We are chugging along. I, I have this next hour. I'm Shannon from Autism Live, and I'm going to be giving my top 10 tips for parents of young children on the spectrum. But I want to make sure that I tell you that I'm doing the other half of this talk later on tonight at midnight. I guess that's technically tomorrow. I'm giving part two of that, which is my top 10 tips for parents of older children, teens, and adults. Because it, it's different. It is very, very different. Um, and I want to acknowledge that Jerry wrote in during the last hour and said, good morning, I have an adult son with autism, also a twin. He's independent and still in school. He uh, is in school trying to find his way around dating and his way around working. And, and Jerry, I, listen, I got to tell you, we got so many hours that might be of interest to you and to him uh, coming up this morning. In the, in the next hour, we have Dr. Mary Barbera with her wonderful podcast, Turn Autism Around. And she's going to be talking about how we build language and how that how when you build language, that diminishes challenging behavior uh, and how you get there. She's an expert in the field and she can give you quick tips about what you need to do. She's going to give you five tips today to help you to build language and reduce challenging behavior. But then after that, we've got some amazing podcasts. I want to encourage you to look at the whole schedule, which is available at uh, autismnetwork.com and then click on the thing where it says, click here for the full calendar and you can be scrolling along to follow the hours. Amy Gravino is going to be up after Dr. Mary Barbera. And Amy Gravino is uh, a, a woman who is on the spectrum. I don't, I'll let her tell you which words, but she is an autism sexuality advocate and a relationship coach. So you're definitely, if you're, if you're talking about the dating thing, she is a great, great resource. She's doing two different hours for us, both at seven o'clock in the morning, both t today and tomorrow. And then, um, Dr. Carrie Magro uh, does another show this afternoon, this evening, at, I believe at seven o'clock tonight, Pacific time. And he's got a great book about dating on the spectrum uh, for uh, as, a, as a man on the spectrum. And then also tomorrow morning, right before Amy Gravino's second talk, so that would be at 6 a.m. Pacific time. Tom Island is going to be here, and uh, Tom is a, a Toastmaster, the first Toastmaster on the spectrum, 
uh, to achieve their their highest rank. He's going to be here doing an entire talk on dating, love, relationships, and marriage on the spectrum. And he's going to be here with his girlfriend, Rosetta Walker, who is the queen of inspiration. So those are just some of the hours that I think that might be interesting to you or your son, Jerry, because um, those those will be really amazing. Joanne says, thank you for sharing that, Shannon. I'm sorry that was your journey, but I am so grateful for that promise you made that day so long ago and what you've done to honor it. You have blessed so many, including our family and our little boy. Thank you. And can I tell you, Joanne, it's so funny because I, I hope you guys know this, that when you guys write in on a regular basis, you become a part of my family. We, Dr. Grand Pichet and I always get so excited when we have our regulars who come in and we follow you on Facebook and we see your posts. And I'm not always good about, you know, liking or sharing or putting a heart, but I see your posts on a regular basis. I see how you're leading your life and with dignity and how you're getting it done for your kids. And it's meaningful and important to me. And, uh, and you matter to me. So I'm so grateful, you know, every day that we've done this show over the last 13 years, because in the beginning, whoo, I was like, I don't know what I have to say, but I promised I would help. I promised I would be here. And if nothing else, you know, I always used to say, and I still say it now, si se puede, and we hold hands, right? We're going to get there together. Um, but uh, my little mantra every day, because sometimes I feel like, oh, you know, we don't, we don't have all the right equipment or, you know, uh, I, I don't, I don't look like the person who should be on camera. I have a great face for radio. Um, but I would always say to myself, no, if we help one person today to get through their day, if we help somebody save $5 or save five minutes, it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. Cause I'm paying down my karmic debt, right? Okay, so a couple of reminders, please uh, give to that iPad challenge because we want to shave my head in the final hour of the podcast-a-thon, which is hour 44, which takes place at 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. I can't believe we're already at the place where we're saying tomorrow is the end, uh, but there's so much good stuff between here and there. So during this talk, and I got to make sure I end on time because Dr. Mary Barbera is going to, there's the iPad challenge, give butter dot com slash iPad challenge. Dr. Mary Barbera is going to be here at the top of the next hour and she's got great content uh, and she's an expert and she's a parent herself. So I, I, we don't want to be late for her at all. But uh, I want to get started with my PowerPoint here for my top 10 tips for parents of young children that are on the autism spectrum. I also want to say to you that I do have a book out. It's true. Um, and uh, the book is called Autism Parent to Parent. And it, I, I tried, to, it was very important to me to write the book because I, I'm at an age where I'm acknowledging I'm not always going to be here. And I wanted to put, I wanted to take everything that I had because a mom said to me, Shannon, I just wish I could download everything that you know. And I thought, ah, oh, I'm going to have to write that down. It's not a perfect book, but I downloaded everything that I knew and it's in the book. But I also want to say to you that you don't have to buy the book if you're watching the show on a regular basis because we try to give this content away to you to free. It's not that we're trying to make a buck on you on the book. We're not at all. Uh, but sometimes people are like, it helps because then I can refer to this and I can put a post-it note. So it's there if you want it. Okay. Have we got the other PowerPoint? Uh, and we might be having troubles with that. Um, Casey's going to see if he can find it's, it's the, uh, top 10 tips for, and it'll say, it says younger in all caps, um, 
if you can find that, Casey. And I'm going to see if I can pull it up on my computer in case you don't have it. Um, but I can't even do that. Hang on one second, you guys. Pause. Talk amongst yourselves for a second, right? That's what I normally say when I'm speaking live and have technical issues. Um, let's see if I can find it. I'm thinking that you don't have it, Casey. And we'll figure this out, you guys. Stick with us for just a second. Um, but if you search for younger, and it's all in caps, and of course, I'm not even seeing it on my computer. Let me see if, uh, well, there we go. There we go. Casey's fabulous. Uh, Casey's our, our nighttime person because Traven can't be here for 44 hours straight. Uh, although it looked like he was going to be for a minute. Thank you, Casey. So here we go. And I always have to give the disclaimer. This is a parent-to-parent -parent talk, which means I am not an expert. Dr. Mary Barbera is going to be here next hour, and she is a parent of an individual on the spectrum, and she is an expert in the field of autism. Um, I am not. I am not a BCBA. I am not a licensed marriage and family therapist. Uh, I am not. But I um, do have karmic debt to pay down, and I very much want to help people, as I just said in the last hour, and why. So let's take a look. And what I'm going to do, uh, if it's okay, is that I'm going to very quickly go through the, the, the 10 things, very quickly. And then I'm going to back it all up and go through them and explain them a little bit more, okay? Uh, so that if you got to go and you're like, I really need to know what it is that you were going to say, we'll get through all 10. So here we are. Number one, dare to dream, but make a plan. So often in Holly Robbins, Pete talked about this yesterday. You go in, you have the first meeting, they say autism, and it's like they, it's like they take away everything and they say ridiculous things like your child will never be able to do this. Sometimes they couch it and say probably. And I'm here to tell you a lot of us had found out that a lot of things they say to you on that day, not so much. So I, Please, no matter what they say to you, you get to dream. Nobody takes that away from you. You dare to dream. However, you can't just dream. You better make a plan. And we're going to talk about what that looks like. Number two, you need to get good quality EIBI. Early Intensive Behavioral Intervention. Now, for me, I'm going to advocate that you get good ABA for that Early Intensive Behavioral Intervention. I'm going to tell you, you get to decide for, for your, your child, because when I'm talking to parents of young children, you know, you've got somebody who is under the age of five, and you're going to take them into consideration what they want and what's good for them, of course, but a lot of times it's you having to decide, because we don't let four-year-olds decide what their medical treatment is, right? Later on, you're going to ask their opinion, um, but at four, and if they're nonverbal, you're going to have to make these decisions, and you need to get good quality, early, intensive behavioral intervention. If you decide that you don't want to do an ABA program, I don't know what you're going to do because nothing else is shown to be as effective. And if you're doing ABA, you've got to make sure it's good, and it's got to be early, intensive behavioral intervention. Number three, Oh, this one is so big, you must get respite. It has to go 
at the top of your to-do list to find the funding, and we'll tell you a little bit about how you might find that, but you have to have respite. You have to be able to sign out sometimes and go be yourself and get rest essential because this is a marathon, not a sprint. And what we have seen time and time again is the parents who say, I'm going to muscle through it. We get sick, did this, made this mistake myself. I, I want you to get respite almost from day one. It's as important as almost anything else because you are not going to be able to do the things that you need to do to advocate for your child if you get overtired and start to fall apart, and you will if you don't get rest. Uh, number four, you're going to create a team and you're going to assign roles. Listen, this is, becomes a project, and somebody's going to be the project manager. We'll talk about what other roles there are, but you, you're going to need a team. And if you are a single parent and you're a team of one, we're going to add people to your team because you're not going to be able to do this by yourself. I'm sorry. I would love to tell you that you could, but I don't know a single parent who's been able to do this by themselves, and we want to hook you up with people who can be part of your team. Uh, but we want to know everybody has to have a signed role, including you. Number five. Oh, it does this thing sometimes where it skips. Okay, number five, you, everyone involved in your family, in your core family, you've got to get them as healthy as possible. This is the person who's on the spectrum, but it's also you and every other member of the team. <coughs> this is going to look different and be different for absolutely everybody. So whatever that means to you, but as healthy as possible. If people are having chronic diarrhea, that is not healthy. If people are not sleeping regularly, that is not healthy. If we aren't healthy, none of us can learn as much, and we all have a lot to learn. So everybody has to get as healthy as possible. We'll talk about this in late, at length. Uh, number six, I brought this up yesterday. We're going to edit. We're going to put whatever it is essential on the back burner. It doesn't mean it's there forever, but sometimes you got to say, eh, we're not doing that this week, okay? Or this year, uh, or maybe even this decade, depending, right? Number seven, you are going to find local and global support. I mentioned Taka in the last hour is a great global support and potentially a local support for you too because you're going to need it. You're going to need to have other people who get it, who understand what you're talking about and can help you to refer you to like who's the best dentist. So we'll talk about this again at length in a second. Number eight, you're going to figure out the school thing. Now that's pretty broad based, right? But at some point your child is going to go to school and we're going to start to figure it out before the day that they have to get on the school bus because it's a nightmare. I don't mean to make you afraid, but school can either be fabulous or it can be a nightmare. And we want to start early figuring out so that it's the good thing, not the nightmare. And getting there can be a nightmare. Don't want to scare you, but want to prepare you. Uh, number nine, you're going to maximize efficiency because everything that you do has to be about really getting the most out of everything. So we're going to talk about how you can do that so that you can squeeze it all out. And number 10, let us not forget that we're going to find new ways to celebrate. Okay? Those are our top 10 things. I'm going to back arrow back, and we're going to go through these uh less quickly and a little bit more in depth. So number one, dare to dream but make a plan. I say this to parents all the time. I'm like, what's the wish? Let's just take a moment because you got all this fear and grief about the life you thought you were going to have and now it seems like it's this whole other land, right? And so you're letting go of some old dreams and I'm telling you, don't let go of everything. 
Let's just take a moment and close your eyes and think, what do I want for my child? What do I want for them today? What do I want for them in five years? What do I want for them in 20 years? What do I hope that their life works looks like and works like. It's okay to have those dreams, but we can't just stagnate in the dream and go, I hope it happens. We got to make a plan. A parent wrote to me yesterday and and they were talking about, you know, what, what, what do we do at school? They have a 14-year-old and they were saying, you know, we're, we have this meeting at school and I, you know, what do I say to get the school on board? Because I look at my son and he eventually wants to have a career working in the mental health field. And, and dad said, I believe that that is something that can happen, but how do I get the school to see this? And, and I said, you know, you know, dare to dream that dream, right? But let's make the plan. And my best advice that I was given is that uh, we created a manifesto. That's what we called it. We took out a piece of paper, my husband and I, and we said, okay, the priorities have shifted. Uh, and, our, and it feels weird, so let's create a new manifesto, a new path to chart of where we want to go and how we want to get there. And on the manifesto, we prioritize. And by the way, the manifesto changed over the years. But in the first year of the manifesto, we prioritize, we put at the top of the manifesto that the single most, you know, I'll be honest with you, it was one thing once and then we kind of switched it. Because we had our son's therapies and treatment as number one. And then we were almost homeless. And um, through no fault of our own, our landlord died and it was this whole big, huge mix up. Um, but where the, his, ex-wife was taking the rent checks and cashing them and not <laughs> paying the mortgage and yeah yeah it was good it was really good but we were uh on the verge of homelessness and then after that we said okay we can't do the therapy if we don't have a home so we have to prioritize my husband's job him keeping his job and having that income come in so that we can afford the place that we have to move to so that we can do the therapy so there's a perfect example about how it shifts and, and molds that, you know, when, when you've got your priorities, sometimes you go, ah, that doesn't fit. So the manifesto isn't driving you, you're driving the manifesto. But there were so many times that we would look at the manifesto, something would come up and we'd go, oh, we don't really know, know what we need to do here. Let's go look at the manifesto and then do a gut check. Does that seem right with the manifesto? Yes or no? And it helped us to make decisions as a team and it helped us to stay together. Do you know? And be on the same page. Because two people, you're never going to be on the same page, right? On every given day. Perfect example, two different examples. There was one time when, I, as I said, I was a professor teaching theater, and I got offered this great job teaching at this great college with colleagues that I had worked with before that I really wanted to work with. It was a sweet job, right? And I kind of wanted to take it, right? But we went and we looked at the manifesto, and and I was the project manager for autism, and there were no autism services where this college was. And I, if I was working full time, then I couldn't be the project manager for autism. And I said, this is a great job. But looking at the manifesto, it's not high up having a great job at a great university with great colleagues. That was like number 10 on the list, right? It, and it didn't make the cut. So I turned it down. 
And I've never been sorry about that, right? On the flip, there was a point when my husband got offered an acting job. My husband is an actor, and he got a movie, and it meant that he had to go to the desert for like four days to film the movie. And four days, you know? And my husband said, well, I can't go because we, Gems Therapy and Gems Therapy is so important. I was like, let's go look at the manifesto. And the manifesto says that your job, because you're not the project manager for autism, you're keeping the roof over our head. Uh, and this pays more than your day job. So buddy, I think you gotta go for four days and I can manage for four days. And he was like, really? Cause he wanted to go do the movie, come on, right? But he didn't wanna leave me and leave me, you know, with all this stuff. I was like, I can manage for four days and we can have a friend come over and help us, you know, to do, you go, go do that movie. And we've never regretted that, right? So the manifesto helps you. But if you don't make a plan, then you plan to fail. Have you heard that phrase? So for the dad yesterday, I was saying, if what you want when your child is 25 to be a mental health uh, care professional, then let's think about if he's there at 25, what does he have to be doing at 24 to get there. Okay. Now, what does he have to be doing at 23 to get to the point of 24 so he can get to the 25? What does he have to be doing at 22, at 21, at 20, all the way down to 14? And once we get to 14, we go, oh, well, this is the stuff that we need to be doing so that he can be a mental health care professional at 25. That's making the plan. So, you know, if I wanted my son to be able to go to college, I was like, I want him to have that ability. I want him to graduate college and I, I graduate high school and I want him to be able to go to college. I want him to have this life. How are we going to get there? And we started charting back and, and we saw that for us and looking at the studies that doing that early intensive behavior intervention, that that was going to be key for him. And we were going to prioritize that for the, the years that he was, because it, he started therapy when he was three, uh, up until when he went to kindergarten. Now, sometimes you amend as you go along that some kids go, fly through their ABA program and maybe they're done in a year and a half. I think that's uh, the exception, not the rule. For my son, we said we're going to prioritize it up till kindergarten, but then we got to kindergarten and we realized he still needed more. So we continued to prioritize it even in his school years. And we would pull him out of school so that he could do things for his intensive behavioral intervention. For the first, certainly the first year, even in first grade, we would pull him out because we had decided that what he was learning, he was learning so much in his ABA program that that was not you know be all end all important but that it was ultimately more important than school uh and so that if he had to miss some of school then he would and that worked for us everybody's going to make their own decisions about that and we'll talk more during the school but you gotta make a plan and i think it's great to make the manifesto and get on the same page can i tell you that uh, a few years ago when my son was a teenager and he was just fatutsed with us all the time and you know i don't understand why we're doing this and i don't understand what we're, why we're doing this we sat down and did this again with him as a teenager where we said let's list all of the things that we want to do and that are important to us because his thing at that point was he wanted to play video games all the time he's like i don't understand why we can't just play video games all the time I said, 
let's make a manifesto. Let's, and so we wrote down all the things that were important to us, and then we assigned them numbers. And I let him assign the numbers. And, and he went through and put the numbers, and playing video games was like 10 or 11. And I said, so you tell me, should we play video games all the time? And he totally, totally got it. By the way, every time we would do a manifesto, we would take it and we would open up a kitchen cabinet. On the inside of the kitchen cabinet, we would tape it there. So it's there. We don't have to go hunting and looking for it, but it's not out on display for the world if they come over to your house, right? But if I need to know, I open up the spice cabinet and there it is. There's the manifesto. And my husband and I did use it and it prevented us from a lot of worry and a lot of strife and arguments. It was like, you know, look at it. Again, you look at it and go, well, the manifesto says we should do this. Then you do the gut check. Is that what's right? Because sometimes you got to amend the manifesto. But make the plan. Uh, it's how you're going to chart your way to success. And don't be afraid to amend the plan. I always like to use the example that when a plane takes off from Los Angeles and it's going to New York, about 50% of the time it's off course. But how does it land in New York then if 50% of the time it's off? It makes minor course corrections and says, oh, we got a little off. We're going to go this way. The wind blew us this way. Uh, but it stays enough close that it lands in New York relatively around when it's supposed to. This is what we're going to do. We're going to make the course, the plan, and we're going to make course adjustments as we go. Dare to dream. You can always amend the dream later on, but if you don't dare to dream now, oh, you're going to be mad at yourself later on. It's okay to dream big. It is. Let yourself do it. Okay, uh, I gotta go back one. Okay, number two, get that quality E-I-B-I. -I. Judy, I see that you're here. Yaima, I see you're here. Uh, Yaima says, hi Shannon, you helped me so many times. I'm so grateful for your show, I've learned so much and thank you for being here. Judy says, Shannon, you give me so much hope until I have to deal with the school district so hard. We're gonna talk about that in a second. Fighting for three years and never giving up. I don't know why it's their way or no way, even with all the facts and attorney and test show. You know, Judy, uh, I'm going to say this, and you're going to hate me for saying this, but sometimes it's about uh, things that aren't about your child because sometimes schools dig in, and when they dig in really hard, even though the, the test results are there and whatever, it's because they don't want you to be the test case, uh, and they're afraid that if you ask for things and they give it to you, that they're going to have to give it to everyone. You gotta make a judgment call at this point because you've been fighting them for three years. They're trying to wear you down. You might be close to the end and if you're right at the place where you're gonna go to court, maybe you stick it out. But if you're not close to that, you know, I know it becomes this thing where we go, they're not gonna wear me down, they're not gonna wear me down. To what end? There's probably a school within 30 miles of where you are that isn't gonna play this game with you. And shame on them for playing this game with you. But you know, it's very hard to fight a land war in Asia, and if you're having to fight, fight, fight to get this service, and then you gotta fight with the school, I'm all about fighting with the school. You know I fought with the school, um, but I lost years of my life fighting with the school. Years of my life that I'm not gonna get back. And I'm not sorry that I did it, but I, I, I do say to other people, if it's clear that they're gonna dig their heels in and beat asses, asshats, as I like to say, sometimes you got to walk away from that and, and flip them off as you walk away. Sorry, we're doing frank talk here, but um, if you're close to the end, don't give up because uh, you'll likely win and that's why they're being so mean to you. But uh, shame on them and you can tell them that I said that. Okay, 
Back to number two, you want to get good quality early intensive behavioral intervention. This is what has been shown to be effective. Yes, when I say that, I am saying good quality intensive ABA. I hate that we are at the point where we have to qualify with ABA because there, it used to be that we were like, oh, there's people doing some bad ABA. And now it's that I think probably more than 50% of the th- cases that I hear about, I am shocked and appalled because I don't, think it's, I don't think it's ABA at all, but they're calling it ABA. And that shocks and offends me, but I don't have time for that because I need to prepare you guys so that you can look at it and know whether you're getting good quality ABA. But here's one of the hallmarks of it. Good quality ABA for somebody under the age of five is intensive. For my son in that first year, it was 40 hours a week of intensive behavioral intervention from uh, from an agency that would come to our house that would do that intensive behavioral intervention with him and then we learned what they were doing it and would do it in the rest of the hours now before everybody freaks completely out yes it's intensive because it's that many hours but what it should look like is fun for them. So they would sit and they would do a lesson with my son and they go, okay, we're going to do this and we're going to, you know, touch that car. Okay, now touch this, now touch this. You know, and they're teaching him language. But then they would take it and they would go play around and we're going to, all right, we're going to play around the room and now I want you to find three red things to touch, right? They're teaching him colors and they would run around the room and he was having a blast. He was having a ball. He had that 40 hours a week, but it wasn't this rote thing where you sit at a table and someone goes, dude, this good job it's not that that is not good quality ABA if your child is bored it's not good quality ABA if your child is not having a good time now sometimes they'll get frustrated because anytime we're learning something new and somebody asks us to do something in a way that we're not used to it can be frustrating and I want to ask you to allow your child to be frustrated As my son said to me when he was 10, mom, frustration is a sign. Nobody ever died from frustration and frustration is a sign that things are about to change. Allow your child to be frustrated, but do not allow your child to be tortured. That is not good ABA. Good ABA is all about teaching and building a person up and making them feel like they are awesome. If somebody is berating your child, it is not good at ABA, fire them. But if somebody is telling you they want to do ABA with your child who is three and nonverbal and they're saying they're going to do it 15 hours a week, you should also fire them. And if they say, but we do good quality ABA and it's so good that we only need 15 hours, ask them to show you the study that shows that that's true because it does not exist. They are liars. I'm calling them out. That is a lie. It is just a lie that study does not exist. In fact, quite the opposite. They did a study many years ago where they took three groups of kids, one that they stuck in intensive ABA uh, between 25 and 40 hours a week, another where they had them in like uh, 10 hours of ABA, 10, 15 hours a week, and then they sent kids to school. Uh, at four and and they looked at the three outcomes and what they discovered is that the the kids who were in the intensive ABA program soared uh, 
They all made tremendous progress, different rates and different amounts, but all of those kids made tremendous progress. The kids who went to school made some progress, and the kids who had the, the watered down, less ABA, made slightly less progress than the kids who went to school. Because you know, here's what happens when you're learning something new, and it can be frustrating to learn something new. If you don't get to do it often enough, you just swirl in the frustration. Don't let anybody make your child swirl in the frustration. Early intensive behavioral intervention. It is the name of the game. If you have a child that's under the age of five, I'm praying that you find your way to this. If you don't know how to, email me. I'll help you find it in your area. Shannon at autism-live.com because it's that level of important. I've seen what happens when you don't. Years later, there it is, Shannon at autism-live.com. Years later, I, I said in the last hour about how my son got kicked out of his early uh, behavioral intervention that was floor time. Again, some of you tell me you love your floor time. God bless you. It was not our experience. Um, but my, my kid got thrown out of it because he was too intensive for the program, had too many needs, was disrupting the program. Years later, when he was in sixth grade, uh, he happened to go to the school that had an accelerated science program, but also had the autism program on their campus. And he'd never been in the autism program on, on, in, in a special day class. He'd always been included because we'd had that early intervention. And I ran into those kids that he had been in the program. I didn't recognize them at first, but they were all struggling. Uh, and I and I thought, oh my gosh, that so could have been my kid if we had not done the early intervention. Get the early intervention. Um, Judy says, I understand, but they call me every day to come get her. Oh, Judy, I'm so sorry. Good morning, Amanda. So thrilled that you are here, Amanda. Judy, I'll I'll, I'll happily get on the phone with you uh, if you want to talk sometime too. Email me if you want to talk because I feel like you're in the middle of it and I I would love to help you because I hate that they are putting you through this. Shame on them. Uh, Okay, number three, you got to have respite. You know, you're going to watch me across this. I got about four hours sleep last night, and it was not not uninterrupted sleep. See, I can't even say that. But you're going to watch my skill level degrade till the point when we get to the final hour, and they're going to shave my head, and I'm I'm going to be lucky if I'm going to I'm going to be sitting here giggling and not able to form a sentence because we aren't as capable when we lose sleep. And that's just going to be across a 44-hour time period. And look, I slept up to have some in reserve to get through this, right? But can I be honest that for the first, oh, I don't know, eight years of autism, I didn't get a good night's sleep ever? Probably 10 years, I didn't get a good night's sleep. Uh, And, you know, you just aren't as capable. When they finally came in and did stuff with my son so that he could sleep, then I was able to start working on sleep for myself. And and it's not just sleep. It's time away. If Whatever is important to you. what, whatever makes you feel like you, like I know I'm not a nails person. Uh, I used to be, but I'm so not anymore. But I have friends who they need every once in a while to go someplace and get a mani-pedi to feel like a person. They just feel better. I talked the other day about, you know, it's a good day when I put lotion on. It's like, woo, self-care, lotion. 
we don't do these things when we are prioritizing our child, but what happens is we start to fall apart. And I've watched far too many parents, including myself, get sick. And thank God when I got sick, it wasn't as devastating as I've seen for other people. I've seen people perish. You gotta be able to run this long race, which means you have to have respite. So most states in the, in the United States have a fund for respite. And there is a process that you have to go through to apply for the respite. This is part of why I tell you to be in a, in a, a local and global support because you really want to be asking other people, hey, how do I get respite funding? Because somebody's got the fast track where you are. You don't have to go reinvent the wheel. You don't have to spend three days on the phone. Find the group that's got the parents who've already figured it out and say, what steps do I take? And then follow them. But this is something I want to ask you to do today. If you don't have respite, I want you to find it today. Now, it might be that it takes a while for you to get your funding. So I want you to think, who do I trust? And it might be that you, your initial reaction is, Shannon, I got nobody. I'm a single parent. I got nobody. I got no family living near me. Uh, I, I, and that might be. That might be the reality. But I want to challenge you a little bit. Is there anybody? Is there a friend that you have from school? Because in our case, uh, we I had a friend from college who was moving to L.A. and didn't have a job yet. And we had to go to a class to be able to be eligible for ABA. And both my husband and I had to go. And I had nobody. And I called my friend and I said, hey, First of all, would you be willing to come and be with me and my child together for a couple of days so that I can show you how things work with him? And then could you stay with him so that we could go to this class? And that doesn't even really count as respite, but it was essential. And I'm telling you, it's very likely that you'll be able to find someone. If you can't, at, when you're applying for respite, be talking to them about the fact that you, you don't have somebody. There are agencies that will provide respite. Obviously, you want to really check those people out and make sure that it's somebody good. I will even say that, you know, at one point we had somebody taking care of my son and my mom was there because my mom physically wasn't capable of doing all the things she needed to do to take care of my son, but the respite worker was there. So I had peace of mind knowing my mom's watching the respite worker and the respite worker's watching my child. We're covered. I can go take a nap or take a bubble bath or read a book or go to a store. You know what I mean? You have to have time for yourself or you will run out of gas. And that is the most horrible thing because in the moment when you run out of gas, you go, oh no, what have I done? Prepare ahead of time. You really got to prioritize this. This is why it's one of my top 10 tips. Uh, Judy, yes, email me. Amanda says sleep is so important. That was, uh, there was that one study released about daylight savings and how important sleep is. It's eye-opening. Absolutely. Uh, but that's just one part of respite. There are people who just use it to go take a bubble bath. Sometimes you got to do that to feel human. And you know what happens? It charges your batteries and you come back better. You are a better parent and you're more capable. There have been so many studies done about autism parents and if they meditate for 20 minutes or more a day that they, their children have better outcomes. It's like, what? If I meditate 20 hours, uh, 20 minutes, excuse me, 20 hours, that'd be a lot. 20 minutes or more a day, my child is going to have a better outcome. Think about all the things that have to happen. For a parent of a young child to have 20 minutes to meditate, <laughs> you know, 
That's, you got to clear the decks for that. That's why respite, prioritize it. Okay. You got to create a team and you got to assign roles. I love Moira G. Mateo is going to be with me later on tonight to do Let's Talk Movies. We're doing a, a complete retrospective of autism in movies and how it's been depicted. I'm, I'm really excited to talk to her about that. But Moira works uh, for the Autism Community in Action, TACA, and she used to give these amazing talks, she and her husband, and that's kind of how I met her the first time, that they gave this amazing talk about how to be a couple and manage autism and they said you got to pick the the project manager <clears throat> now a lot of times that's the mom but not always I've, I've met a lot of project managers that are dads but it can't really be both people because somebody's got to be working keeping the roof over the head and 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 the, the division of labor it's different in every family a lot of times it's like one parent stays home and is the custodial parent and handles all the autism stuff while the other parent handles all of the bills and the funding and goes to work and makes sure the roof is over the head but I've seen people split it up different ways where somebody is the caretaker uh, and they're taking care of the bills and the other person is going to work and they're taking care of all the autism thing. However it works for you, but it's best to assign roles so that you know who's responsible for what. And a lot of times people will say to me, well, I do all the research, I do all the homework and I come to my husband and I say, well, I really want to do this and that's when he's got a bunch of questions. But you know what? When you do this and you assign roles, it makes it so much easier to do that. That's exactly what I would do. I would do all the research and then I would go to my husband and I would say, here's the I would present it to him just like a project manager would. I would say, here's all the research that I've done. Here's what our choices are. Here's the decision that I've made based on the research. I'm giving you the research. If you'd like to do further research on it, you absolutely can. But as the project manager, I'm recommending this. And then if my husband wanted to do the research, he could. If he wanted to discuss other options, it was on him that he had to do more research for that. It was very clear. Because you get resentful. If you do all the research and say, I think, and then they start asking questions you're like you don't trust my opinion but if you do it like a project manager no resentment right but I think it's also essential that everybody who's on your team and you do need to build this team has a role so you want to have I said in the last hour my recipe for success is to do the prescription to be involved in it and to use experts so you got to have some experts on your team I am so lucky that without even knowing it, uh, I had Dr. Graham Pichet. I didn't meet her, but she was an expert on my team. She was looking at the programs that my son was having, and she was training the people who were working with him. I didn't even know her, but she was one of the experts on my team. But as I came to know her, man, I made sure that I kept her on my team because she was a good expert. You want to see who are the people you trust. You find the teacher that is the person that you can trust, right? I thought that there were people in my family and in my life and in my friend group that were going to be people that were going to really be there for me in this autism journey and they were going to show up and help. Not so much. In fact, I was often shocked by the people who couldn't show up and the people who did. And I've heard this time and time again that sometimes the person in your family that you least expect is the person who's going to throw down and say, I'm going to be there for you 
shows up, right? And people that you thought were like your besties can't handle it. And we can be mad and judgmental about it, but you don't even have time for that. So you start building your team and you keep evaluating and go, this person I'm keeping, that person I'm not keeping, but you build this core team for yourself. And it might be you and one other person, and that person may not even be here where you are. They might be long distance. Put me on your team, right? Put Dr. Grampiche on your team. But build your team and assign us roles of what expectations we have for each other and what your expectation is for yourself because you can't do it by yourself. And listen, I think we all have felt at some time that we were supposed to do it by ourselves. Well, I should know this and I should be able to. No, you can't. Uh, you know, we love the phrase, it takes a village. Well, with autism, it takes the village plus the town next door, right? You gotta have a team. And sometimes that's hard to have a team because other people's opinions and you feel like I'm the parent and I, you know, I have to parent by committee. Listen, you're not only on the team, you're probably leading the team. So you get the final say. Don't let anybody take that away from you. and Don't let anybody vote you off of the team, right? I would always go into IEPs and, and they would say, well, we think this. And I would go, when did you decide that? Because I'm here at the IEP meeting and I'm on the IEP team. I'm sorry, when was I voted off the team? I, I must not have been invited to that meeting. I'm on the team. So we haven't decided anything yet. They didn't like me when I said that, but that's true. Um, Amanda says, nobody shows up. I need new people. Well, I said to you yesterday, I want to be one of your people, Amanda. And you know what? This is the reality is that sometimes people don't have the ability to show up and it's devastating and it hurts our feelings in fresh new ways we didn't even know possible because I'm asking you to show up for my kid. It isn't even for me. Can you not see that I'm a person in pain trying to help this individual that I love? Could you please show up? I got to tell you, it hurts, but it, I want to fill you with hope that it's, you know, it's sort of that thing when you're dating where you can look at it as like, why do I keep dating all these losers, you know, until I find the right person. But I love people when they're like, oh, no, that person's definitely not the person, which means I'm that much closer to finding the person. And I want to say that and I want to believe that for you, Amanda, that if, if it's not these people, it, it's going to be somebody else and uh, that you are going to have people there. But I want to be one of your people, Amanda. Uh, and I hope that you get new people. And don't be afraid. Kick people off the team. Vote them right off the island. And don't feel bad about it. Too bad. So sad. Couldn't be there for me. Uh, number five, get everyone as healthy as possible. This is essential. And it means something for everybody in a different way. I, I put food in the color of the rainbow here because I love to talk about eating the rainbow. I love that Dr. Grampiche talks about this, the importance of health. You're going to find that there is a prejudice against your child because your child has a diagnosis of autism. And every time you go, most doctors, I don't want to say every time, but most doctors you're going to go to are going to look at that and chalk everything up to autism. I really think we should vote those doctors off the island. <laughs> But, but ask me how I really feel. I really think it's time to look for a new pediatrician if that's what your pre pediatrician says. Because if you're saying, you know, I, I've heard people have this happen. Their child is having chronic diarrhea. That, you know, people who are like, my child is five and has never had a formed bowel movement. And, and I went to the pediatrician and the pediatrician said, well, that's autism. No, 
That is not autism. Having constant GI issues is not autism. Yes, it's very common in autism, but it doesn't mean you don't treat it. It needs to be treated and you need to be looking for answers. Another place where I a shame on people that are saying this to parents. So do prioritize this, but don't leave yourself off of this. And don't leave your other children off of this too. For, for you and your significant other and for everybody in your family, everybody has to get good rest. Every, everybody has to eat well. Uh, and that might mean different things for different people. Maybe everybody needs to be on a gluten-free casein diet. Maybe nobody needs to be on a gluten-free casein casein-free diet. Maybe, you know, you've got somebody in the family who's got diabetes and we need to change the way we're eating, right? Uh, uh, Prioritize the health. Do whatever you have to because you can have the best ABA program in the world, but if your child is not healthy, they are not going to learn as much. I won't say that they're not going to learn anything, but they're not going to learn as much. Imagine if you had the flu right now, and I said, we're going to, now we're going to do the lesson in trigonometry, and there'll be a test at the end. How well do you think you're going to perform while you have the flu? It's a no-brainer, right? So everybody needs to be as healthy as possible. Uh, number six, edit, put whatever is an essential on the back burner, and that includes people. You know, we all have hopes and dreams. And, you know, at the time that my son was diagnosed, like I said, I was a stand-up comedian. I was a director of theater. I was teaching theater. I was doing acting projects. And, you know, suddenly when we made the manifesto, it was nowhere on the manifesto. For, For me, for my career at all, I was like, I don't, I don't, honestly, in that moment, I didn't care. I didn't care. It's like, take all of that and shove it in the ocean. And people are like, well, you have to maintain and you have to. No, I really don't. And I didn't. And I said, I'm going to go all in on this autism thing. And, you know, it still ended up being my career. Uh, it's amazing to me that I, I, I'm much more in front of, I mean, I'm not doing Shakespeare, right? But I'm much more in front of a camera than I ever was going to be had I not chosen this path. Let's be honest. Um, so back burner what has to be back burner make that manifesto and when th- when something like 9 10 11 12 back burner that stuff you don't have to do everything i love that dr jonathan tarbox used to always say on the show think of it like preparing somebody for the olympics when families get ready to put somebody through the olympics they make a decision and they go we're going to prioritize this for the next four years that we're as a family we're going to wake up at this time we're going to do this and we're going to give our child the best opportunity to go to the olympics we might not make it to the olympics but we might and we're going to give it our best shot it's not forever but But for the next four years of our life, we're going to say, we're doing this, which means we're not going to go to the Gymboree, which means we're not going to, you know, see every movie that comes out for the Oscars. We're going to see two of them and we're not going to go on this vacation and we're not going to do that because we've prioritized that thing. It's editing. Same thing with our kids. We're, We're taking our kids to the Olympics. We're going to set aside four years. It's not forever. Edit now. You can bring some of these things back onto the burner later on. I'm a great example of that. Uh, Here we go. And I skipped one. Number seven, find that local and global support group. I think that TACA would be my first stop, TACANow.org. You're going to find more information on their website than any other autism website, including ours. There. You know, I say it all the time. Uh, 
but you you got to have both, and sometimes taka can be both that global and uh, the local. You need the local because at some point you're going to want to know who do you take them to for the barber who understands sensory issues. Who do I go for the dentist? Who's the good pediatrician in town who's going to listen to me and not just chalk it up to autism? Right? You need that. I need to know where I go for funding for the respite in in my neighborhood. Uh, who's the good respite provider? I I want to know which school is good, which teacher is good, which person. I, who do I need to call to get this locally? So you need that local thing, and that's great and important. And and it's also going to help you in terms of respite because sometimes you're going to make friends with another autism family, and you're going to trade where you know you take their kid and they take your kid, and you you get time off, right? Or they play together. You you need that local support group, but you also need the global one because all autism isn't the same, right? So you're in the local support group and you make a friend with somebody and their kid is on the spectrum too, but they're very different on the spectrum and they have different sensory issues and they're going to move at different speeds. And you're going to want to have somebody who has a child that's like yours that you can compare notes. And that might be somebody who's in France, so you want, and there are all kinds of groups online that are free that you can be a part of, but you need to find other people that you can be talking to and sharing your story with and hearing, oh, it's not just me and not feeling like you're alone and, and saying, uh, you know, we're experiencing this all of a sudden. Has anybody else had this? And everybody goes, yes. And here's how we dealt with it. And you go, oh, I, you know, I'm not alone in this. So do this for yourself. And if you have to, assign someone on your team. Go find me some support groups. Sign me up for daily newsletters or a chat where I can be a part of online and that I don't have to pay anything. And, and you know, the, your friend who's like, what can I do to help? Say, can you research this for me so that you don't have to go chase it down? Uh, the school thing. You heard Judy say about what they've put her through for three years. You know, there are laws that say that your child is entitled to a free, appropriate public education. And that's immovable. But school's going to give you a hard time about what the appropriate is. When you have that local support group, you're going to ask questions about which, which school, which program to help you to know where you're going to go. And, and you want to create a plan for your early uh, child because school is going to start knocking on your door when your child turns three saying, we want your child. We want your child to come in and be a part of our special ed program. And I'm not going to say that these are all bad programs, but I am going to remind you of the study that I talked about earlier, that it's better for your child to be doing an early intensive behavioral intervention. They will learn more than if they're going to school. Now, if all you have is a crappy ABA program, maybe not so much. Maybe the school is the choice, right? But I would always choose a good quality intensive behavioral intervention over school before the age of five. I always would. This is my opinion about things, and I'm a former school teacher. So, because I taught uh, all grades too before college. So, figure out what your plan is, but know that school's going to be knocking at your door, going, "We want your child," because they want. They want to educate your child. That's, they're in the business of that. And they get paid when your child is there. It doesn't mean it's what's right for your child. And you're going to have to figure that out for yourself. We're always here. Dr. Grampuche loves to answer questions like that. Amanda says, Taka is the best, hands down. I agree. TACANow.org. But you have to start figuring out the school thing because I'll tell you what happens. They start knocking at your door at 3, and if you don't have other things... 
that you put them in school, but it isn't necessarily the best thing for them. Uh, once they're five, yes, but I still, I said to you, I still prioritized my ABA, my good quality intensive ABA program over school even when he was five. Drove my school crazy, I don't care. Uh, we're almost out of time here, so number nine, you have to be a, a maximize efficiency, you have to be a drill sergeant because time is your, both your friend and your enemy. If you're using your time well, you're gonna make more progress. You don't have time to waste, so you, I keep a calendar, write everything down, have your appointments, use every appointment, use every service that you have so that you maximize your efficiency. I, I had color-coded calendars that I, you know, it, I was, I was like a drill sergeant, uh, moving an army. It was a lot like putting this podcast on together, let me tell you. But number 10, I don't wanna leave this one out, you must find ways to celebrate, and it might not look like how it used to look, but find the way to celebrate. I think one of the best gifts that somebody gave to me was saying, you know, you're going through a lot because your child didn't develop language in the way that you expected, but now you get to see that language is a miracle and you're going to watch it incrementally come. Celebrate that. Celebrate every single miracle that happens that sometimes people gloss over. People walk by a toddler talking and act like it's not the most incredible thing that's ever happened in the world. We have the privilege of not missing the miracle. Celebrate everything, throw instantaneous parties. My favorite memory is at the end of every day, we would put music on and we would dance in the living room, uh, just the three of us to celebrate and that's my favorite memory. Those are my tips. I have to turn off uh, and let you guys go because Dr. Mary Barbera is up next with Turn Autism Around. She's got Oh, great tips for you guys. Things that you can do today to build that language and reduce that challenging behavior. So I will see you in a couple of hours, but stay tuned. Dr. Mary Barbera up next. If you found anything helpful in this video, please give us a like. In fact, make sure that you smash that subscribe button on YouTube and give us a like on Facebook. You can also follow us on Twitter and on Instagram for important updates. And please download our free podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much. See you next time.